It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast, FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Got a lot to get to today, a busy Friday. Gordon, recapping, previewing. We're going to dive into the YouTube comments even. How are you? Doing good. Uh, today's a big cross-country day. Uh, if you're listening to us later in the afternoon on Friday, there's a lot of conference championships going on, Pac-12 championships, Mountain West, Big East, which is live and flow. So it's the final day of cross-country which is kind of wild before we get ready for NCAAs. This is exciting. Final day of cross country, final days of indoors, final days of the beginning of outdoor part one, but the beginning of indoor part two. I don't know where one thing ends and the other thing uh, begins really at this point, but there's a lot going on, which is exciting. Not complaining at all. Yes. A lot going on. Exciting. Let's start first uh, with the big result yesterday. American Distance Project went for the 5,000-meter indoor record. Remember, you talked about it. We talked about it. You previewed. You guessed. You predicted. You predicted pretty well, Gordon, although you did not have Emmanuel Bohr beating Paul Chalimo. You did say that Galen Rupp's 1301 would be safe. What did you know that the rest of us didn't know? Well, predicting that the record wouldn't go down isn't that crazy of a prediction. But what – I don't remember what exactly was the time that I said he would run. I think I said he, the Paul Chalima would run like 13.06 or something like that, where the winning time was 13.05. Uh, but regardless of what I said, what are your th- Emmanuel Bohr running 13.05, another breakout. There's just a, it's like a, it's kind of like when you miss a three pointer and then another team makes a three. It's like a six-point swing, right? Because you could have had oh, yeah. up three, but now you're down three, right? So six-point swing. So that's what it feels like. You have Emmanuel Bohr coming into the picture with a, a great performance, and Paul Chalimo showing some vulnerability. Seems like a big swing in the dynamics of the Olympic Trials 5K, right? Adding a new name and a name kind of feeling like a little bit dropped. Uh, that's my reaction. I mean – I don't think – I mean, Paul Chalimo has done enough that he's allowed to have this type of race and not be considered washed. But um, you would think it would have been the opposite. You would think Paul Chalimo runs to 13.05 and Emmanuel Bohr runs to 13.12 and all is right in the world. But we got this result, and now it it makes the 5K more interesting, right? We – Paul Chalimo becomes less of a sure thing. He probably is a sure thing, but he's just a little bit less of a sure thing. And now Emmanuel Bohr enters the picture. And, you know, I'm sure the likes of Lopez Lemong, you know, Hassan Mead, Jenkins, all these 5K guys are thinking, okay, got a little bit harder to make this Olympic team. And the Bowerman folks as well, the other Bowerman folks, not just Lemong, yeah. but also McGordy and Fisher. Fisher okay, yeah. yeah. Chalimo looks vulnerable, but now there's a new name. There's Emmanuel Bohr, who had a 13-10 PB coming in, so it's not like he wasn't going to be a factor at all. But this is a big step up for him. 32 years old. His best finish at a USA Championship came in 2018 when he finished fifth in the 5,000. So this is by far his best result on the track, number two time ever. I'm with you on Chalimo's allowed to have a bad one. Where I would be concerned is that he's had a couple ones that in a row that have not been great. You have to go back to basically this time last year when he won uh, U.S. Indoors for his last – okay, that was a great race. Now, that's not entirely fair because of COVID. People didn't have full seasons and stuff. But he did lose that cross-country race to Mason Furlick. He had that road race where he was targeting the record. Didn't get it. But for Paul Chalimo, two meets this year matter. He's at the level where two meets matter, and it's the trials – and it's the Olympics, and everything else is gravy. So if he gets right, if he can find his way out of the team, and then when he's in Tokyo, make the final, he's going to have a shot 
to medal. That's all that is important, I think, for him. He's at that level. This is a much more significant result for Bohr just because it signifies to him, hey, I'm I'm now – I would say he's probably a favorite to make top three. We need to wait a couple of days to see these results from from the, the Bowerman guys because maybe they'll run 1258 and that will change our whole opinion on the pecking order and the 5,000. But I think you look at beating the favorite by – over five seconds, and then running a 13.05 indoors, what other conclusion can you make with someone's resume well, like that? If you Looking back at how the race still played out, he ran a 13.05 kind of falling apart in the final 600 to 800 meters, where right, he was right. getting slower and slower, where he was on like 12.59 pace and then just slowly fell down to 13.05. So... That would be a little bit of a concern because you're not going to make a team if your worst race, worst your slowest part of your race is the final sure. 600. But he's going for it. Uh, he's going for the record. Yeah, he's going for it. Um, so, but the thing is, if you want 13:05 where you kind of kick to the 13:05, it just feels a little different than falling down to 13:05. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Um, I think what we're going to need to see from Bohr is we're going to need to see him. Like win, not just like be in a competitive race where like he finishes top two, where there's like a strong kick, where they're they're closing and you know obviously sub sixty. That's what I want to see, and I feel like a lot of athletes are going to do this because if the Bowerman guys go out on Saturday or Sunday whenever their race is, and they do another Jerry special time trial type race, these athletes need to be prepared for non like perfect conditions like even the adp guys even chalimo and Bohr, they had a, a race where it was all their guys it's not real these aren't real races right. they're time trials set up by their coaches that's not how the olympic trials goes so they need i'm excited to see chalimo and Bohr hopefully enter a 5k or 3k or whatever sometime in the spring early summer where we get to see them how they react to race, to race mm-hmm. tactics, um, and they got to. That's that's how we should we sh- we really should start judging these athletes because running like dying in a time trial or succeeding in a time trial, I feel like doesn't mean much when the thing that you're judged on is a race that's not a time trial. Yeah, so yeah. We'll we'll wait and Did see. The... But Bohr definitely enters a picture. Chalimo. Started walking toward the exit door, but the door is still closed. He's not walking out the exit door. He just <laughs> he might we might need to tap him on the shoulder and be like, "Hey, man, punch is over here." Oh, okay, thanks, man. That's that's he maybe he's a little delirious and kind of walked into the wrong. Like he's he's like at the party looking for the bathroom, right? The from like the guest bedroom, and he's just getting lost. And they're like two doors down on the left, and he went down on the right. And you just need that other party guest, like a another. <laughs> I don't know who's USA what in this number analogy. to be like, hey man, it's this way. It's this way. I don't know. I don't know if is, is Chalimo's kick the the door. I don't understand what we're talking about. I got two questions for you before we move on. Is the five thousand team now harder or easier to make based on these results? And which team is easier right now or harder, five or ten in the U.S.? So I would say after these results, the five K team is easier. To make mm-hmm. um because if chalima goes out there and runs like a 1303 or even the record then you're really looking at okay this is a two team just a two uh athlete team we're trying to make because chalima is lock on lock on double double lock but he's not right now right uh, he's showing some vulnerability and with that vulnerability means it, anything can happen i mean Look at the top marks. I mean, you have Kincaid, which mm-hmm. he's run twelve fifty eight, but and he's good, but he's still kind of newer. He's never really made. He, I don't think he's ever made a world, world or Olympic team. So there's that factor. Lopez Lamong, he's good, but age, so you don't know. Chalimo, he's great, but he just had this bad race. Shadra Kipchurcher, he's good, but you look at him as a ten k guy. Ben True, he's good, but like. Another he's he's getting up there in age. Eric Jenkins coming off of injury. Emmanuel Bohr just had this breakout race, but it was in a t- time yeah. trial. 
And then Hassan Mead, you know, we haven't seen him much. And then the other Bowerman guys. And after that, like, everyone has a little bit of like, well, maybe you can see why mm -hmm. they wouldn't make it. Whereas there's other yeah. events where you're like, there's no way in hell Emma Coburn's not making the 3K steeple team, right? Like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of events where there's like, everyone would would bet a thousand dollars to win a thousand and one dollars on certain people because there's just there's no way they're not making it you know like a no allowed you basically so you basically said this race or maybe these past couple months move chalimo from lock status to uncertain to favorite so yeah still a favorite to make the team but not a lock and do you think that you think the 10k is harder or the 5k is still harder on the men's side yeah I would say, you know what? I, I, maybe 10K. I still think 10K it's a 5K. Harder. I still think it's a 5K, but. Well, 10K is second, right? No, for the men, 10,000 is first. No, they moved them, both of them second, right? No. I thought men it was 5K, is, then no. 10K. That's for the women. The men, it goes 10 and then 5. You're going to make me look up the schedule again, which you know I love. No, they switched it. Didn't they switch it? So they made it that the 10K was always second? No, it's the... Oh, I did that podcast one. incorrectly then. <laughs> I pulled up the old <laughs> schedule here. Wait. Well, don't uh, give me the old schedule. Me give, me the, give me the new schedule. Now you schedule. got me confused. Now you got me confused. Well, I'm on USATF's page, so... Um, Okay, now you got me all confused. Regardless of what event comes first, though, <laughs> right? That shouldn't that shouldn't matter too much because they're at opposite ends of the meet, right? So, what's the what's your read on which events harder, just based on who do you think will run each event? Yeah, I think the ten k is now harder, which I never thought I would say, but that's purely because Chalimo is showing some vulnerabilities. Now, if Chalimo goes out there and says, "Hey, remember that that weird ass five k I ran in Virginia Beach?" After I flew yeah. across the country, yeah, watch me do this, and then goes out and yeah. destroys a field or does something crazy, kicks well, then you'll be like, okay, five K is hard again. What if he runs a ten K soon? What if Bohr runs a ten K soon and gets a qualifier? Yeah, I mean, you'd think that they're all going to try to run ten K. Everyone, everyone wants two opportunities. You know, they say you only get one shot, but when it comes to the Olympic trials, you get two shots. <laughs> like the number of vaccine shots you need to get in order to probably go, whatever. <laughs> Lots of analogies. Anyway. Hold on. I'm pulling up the schedule here. You ready? You ready for this? After much delay. I yeah, think men's 10,000 day one. It's first. That's right. You were okay. wrong. Yep. Yep. Nice. Move that around. Okay. Let's talk about that meet that's coming up. Well, I guess tomorrow. We're recording this on a Friday and it's on Saturday. A chance to throw out basically everything we said because there's some fast 5,000s on the men's side that can completely reorder that list. We also have Matt Sentwitz making his 2021 debut in the 1500. On the women's side, you have Sinclair Johnson in the 1500 with Elise Cranny. Women's 5,000 features Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson, among others. Which event, I'm guessing you're, well, I'm not going to, Assume anything. Which event here has your attention? Hmm. Which event has my attention? I would or say. Events. I would say the fifteen hundred men's fifteen hundred, and the reason why is because I feel like that's the one that's most like has the most question marks and uncertainty um, mm -hmm. when it comes to like the status of that event. I say that because the women's 1500, everyone has a standard. We know who the favorites are. They're all just going to be running some races where one person will win, one person won't. You know, it's, there's not much. There's a little, you know, it's just. Someone wins, you're someone learn, loses. You're, you're not going to learn much from a 1500 because no one out there right, is going right. to go out there around 358 and you just, you're not going to learn much. Same thing with the women's eight. Men's eight, we know it's Donovan Brazier, Bryce Harple, Harple, Hopple. Women's 5K, we. <laughs> You know, it's, you know, the Christian Schweizer show. Men's 5K, we know who's good. We just talked about it. But, like, unless someone goes out there and runs 250, 12.58, I'm not blinking twice. But the men's 1,500, not a lot of people have the standard. There's a lot of weirdness. You have Matt Sensowitz, the Olympic champ, who has not run much, right? And then you have a bunch of guys who 
you don't know who's going to be there any given day, and you have no one really stepping up and like, hey, every time I go out, I'm running 332 or 333. You don't get that. You get, all right, today's the day I run 335.999, or today's the run, day I run 336.000. You know, everyone is kind of stuck in that 335 to 336 range. Um, and then on normal days, they're always running like 337. I just want every time I see a men's 1500, I want to watch it because I want to see if anyone finally says, pulls up, pulls up their shorts, puts on their kit. I'm making a weird analogy and just runs fast. Yeah. We don't see fast men's 1500s. I don't know what it is. I, and it's just weird. And it's American. It's I an American thing because you see Ollie Horror go out there and run 332 on an indoor track. And it's like the, the kid's just out of college and he's doing it. But if he's an American, they're not doing it, and I don't know why. Well, I think there's a guy who could get this one going, and you're right. He's not American. It's Josh Kerr, who yeah. will be making his 2021 debut. But Josh Kerr had a really good summer last year in those big friendly meets. It went under the radar, but he ran some fast times where he was doing a lot of the work. Obviously, he's internationally tested, too, when he made the World Championship final in 2019. Maybe he gets this thing going. Maybe he realizes, hey – uh, I want a quick time. It's it's not just going to be a, a sit and kick affair. Also, he's a fellow podcaster too, so like that's probably going to help him. This is his first, ch- I think this is his first championship season since becoming a podcaster. So we don't know what impact. Everybody talks about the spikes and what impact that'll have on you, but what about when you're just crushing content? Like, how much does that help your your fifteen hundred meter time? We don't know, but we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's going to be a Josh Kerr who does it. It's not going to be a Henry Wynn or a Pat Casey or Gregoric or a Eric Avila or Isaac York's same prickle. It's going to be Kerr. And then Centrowitz is just there hanging out, but Central probably has the yeah. vibe of, like, I don't need to do anything. I'm an Olympic champ. Like, I'm not going to go out there and and that's show how good I am. I mean, so it's probably going to be Kerr who wins it. But then here's the thing, though. Kerr, though, also – it's probably every time he enters his race, he's like, I'm just going to beat these guys. So Kerr isn't going to make it that fast because he's only going up against a bunch of Americans who are too afraid to run hard. So he yeah. will just win it in like 330. He's going to win it in 335. Is, is part of that because the selection process for a lot of these countries is confusing to say the least? And so they want to just run fast times because that might end up being what gets you on the team versus the United States where just get the standard, but then you have to go to the trials and finish top three. Less yeah. than incentive I mean, that's exactly what it is. Run quick. There's yeah. no incentive to be yeah. five seconds under the standard for an American. Right, right. You don't need yeah. to be, well be 0.01 under. I mean, you look yeah. at – I remember Robbie Andrews when he was at the top of his game. Was it 2017? Um. I felt like he was in, he could have meddled that year, but he got screwed over with the whole like DQ thing, stepping on the inside of the track. But that year, he he was like easily top three at the trials, but he didn't even have the standard, and he had to go chase it. And like every time he was chasing it, he was just trying to get .01 underneath it. And I was like, this guy who's getting like tenth in Diamond League races or barely breaking the standard, we all know is like. Yeah, but he probably could medal because he can kill it in the last four hundred. It's just how Americans right. are, right? So, yeah, we don't we don't have the Jacob Ingebrigtsen's who just run three twenty nines and the those are e-girders. rare. Yeah, so those are rare. I'm interested in this men's five thousand because I'm wondering: does this race look more like the ten? that we saw a couple weeks ago, which was in California with the speedy fast times, or does it look more like the Texas qualifier times? Like where does it fall in that continuum of ridiculously fast time trial to still pretty fast, but more traditional track, you know, rabbited track race basically, because you have (laughs) these PRs are kind of funny. Like Joe Klecker's in there. He has a 1328 PB. He's going to PR. I'm going to put some money on that and say he's going to PR. It just makes sense. You know, Fisher, even Fisher, 13-11. Well, he just ran 27-11. So that PR is 
in need of refreshing. Even Mark Scott's 1308 indoor, like he's a 2710 guy now. McGordy, we saw how good he looked, you know, pacing through 8,000. Do you think this is going to be, is this going to look like a Bowerman special or is this going to look like a, more like a traditional meet where maybe a couple guys hit the target time, but it's not a PR fest. It's not going to be, it's going to, should I tell you what the winning time is going to be? I'm really good at this. Well, let's wait. Hold on. Let's wait on that. Okay. Cause I want to save that for a new segment. I'm debuting. I just want your oh, okay. overall thoughts on it. And then you can get specific when yeah. I ask you for this. I mean, it's not just a Bowerman special because I mean, they're only in half the field and there's a lot of other guys in this race who aren't going to let them mm-hmm. treat it like a Bowerman special. Like, Ollie Hoare is not going to just like hide in a hole. Like he's going to put himself in it. Joe Klecker put himself in it. I think Carabelle Rosso put himself in it. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be as controlled. So I don't think it's going to be like the 10. I think it would be more like a normal race. And, you know, not to I can give a hint, but I don't think it's going to be a 1258, 1259 race. I think it's going to be a normal race where, you know, the winning time is going to be low 13 O's. I mean, high 13 mm-hmm. Okay. Other events, like I mentioned, the women's five. I think it's to be really interesting to see Huddle and Sisson. Huddle already has a standard. Sisson doesn't. But I just want to see how competitive they are in the 5,000. They're both marathoners now, although they do many events well. And they have some good people in this field. They have Wayne Kaladi, who we've seen is, is pretty sharp. Kellen Taylor, solid. Ailish McColgan's been running well. Uh, Kellen Taylor, Alicia Monson, Taylor Warner. So there's a lot of people in here, but those are all people that they're probably going to need to beat if they want to make the 5,000 team. And some of those people they're going to need to beat if they want to make the 10,000 meter team. Not all of them are American, obviously, but that's the level they need to be at. So I'm interested in that one. Uh, men's 800, Drew Window hasn't run sub 146 since 2017. I thought that was an interesting stat. Uh, women's 8, Nia Aikens making her debut. Uh, and women's 15, as I mentioned before, Sinclair Johnson. But okay, let's get to Gordon's guesses because you've you've nailed the last two major meet predictions. So I want to actually turn this into a segment. You can pick any event or events. You just got to give me more than one because guesses is plural. So what do you think is going to happen this weekend? This is the first edition of Gordon's guesses where Gordon puts his reputation on the line and tells us what's going to happen. Gordon, take it away. All right, so I, I'm not really good at, like, selecting what I'm going to event, but there's only six races at the Sound Running event, so I'll just do all six, and I'll tell you mm. who will be I, – I, I'm not really going to pick – I'll pick a winner if I think I know the winner, but if I don't think I know the winner, I won't pick it, but I'll tell you what I think the winning time will be. So women's 1,500, looking at the list, it's definitely going to be Sinclair Johnson for the win, and she'll probably run, like – Four oh eight, yeah, four oh eight. Sinclair Johnson, four oh eight. Uh, men's fifteen hundred. It's gonna be Josh Kerr. He'll run it, win it in three thirty four to three thirty five. Uh, okay. Women's eight, women's eight hundred. Nia Aikens will win it in two oh one. Okay, men's eight hundred. Men's men's eight hundred. Um, ooh, mm. ooh, my boy Peter Callahan's in this race from the okay. Royal Excelsior Brussels. Not a great club name, Royal Excelsior. That is an awesome Brussels. You almost got to pick him because of that. See now, this because I'm a big fan of Peter Callahan. I feel like this is gonna mess with my pick, so I might have to skip this. You event. can skip it. You can skip it. I said you only need okay. to do more than one because it's Gordon's guesses plural. So we need more than one. So you can skip an event. But I can you tell you the, you the winning time. The winning time will be probably 146 high, 147 low. Okay. More likely 147 low. So it won't be that fast. Gotcha. Uh, women's right, do you have a 5K. For the 5,000s? Yeah, women's 5K. Um, I don't want I, I can't make an individual pick, but I can make a time mm. pick and a time. What's the, what's the Olympic standard? That helps me. 15 10. Oh, so Olympic Series 1510. We're gonna see uh 
15 15 10 will be the time winning time right on the money wow. 15 10 interesting okay yes 15 10 oh wait no hold on uh oh he's reevaluating folks i take it i take it back 1508 1508 did you look at the weather reports or something what, no, what, why I saw. Did you drop by two seconds? Eilish McCoughlin, she's gonna yeah at least break it. She's gonna be in that race okay. and she's gonna fix it for everyone. Uh, so fifteen oh eight, men's five k. This the I'm Eilish willing to factor. make a prediction of who's gonna win. Uh, okay, here it it's is. It's gonna be between. It's gonna be between Mark Scott. It's gonna come down between Mark Scott and Grant Fisher. Um, I think Bowerman goes one two. And I think it's going to be Scott Fisher in that order. The rest, I have no idea. Um, but the winning time, what's the standard? The standard is 13.13.5. The winning time will be 13. to 08. But I'm more likely to think it'll go closer to the 06. So, see, my first inclination on a lot of these is, oh, you're picking it too slow, too slow. But I made that mistake at the Texas <laughs> qualifier, and you have the the text to prove it. You have the 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 Excel spreadsheet that proved me wrong. I guess if there's one, the Kerr the Kerr pick like the 1500, I definitely think 334. That's not. To him, that's that seems ambitious. Like that's on the more optimistic side, just because of the the three thirty six. I said three thirty four, thirty five. Yeah, no, I would say like that would be the only one where I would take the over. Basically, on all oh, the okay. other ones, I would I would go under because you know the, the curse of the fifteen hundred, of course, the three thirty five curse. Yeah. Maybe the women's fifteen. I think Sinclair Johnson will run quicker than four oh eight because I just think the pace they'll follow the pacer perhaps, but. I just see I see both those five Ks, especially the men's five K. I see that one going thirteen low. Like a thirteen oh one. I can see just see, because the their ten ten thousand was so fast. I know you're gonna tell me it's different when you're coaches and organizing. Why would they and there's why a lot would of they variables. Do that? Why would they do that? Why would they run thirteen oh one? Yeah. Because it's well, because they're gonna try to break thirteen because it's fun to break thirteen. That's why they're gonna do it. So you think they're trying to break thirteen? I haven't seen the pacing, but I would guess that they would want to break 13. I mean, Mark Scott's run – I mean, if you run 27-10, you can run thir- You can run right at 13 minutes, correct? That's not a yeah. controversial pace equivalent. That's what the British record is. What's the British record? 12.53. Oh, okay. No. That might be a little ambitious. You know, you, might, I mean, you might convince me. You might convince me to change. Oh, man, sub so, twelve fifty. So. I know you're going to post a clip of me making all the predictions, but I may have yeah, to make yeah. an amends. I think you might have convinced me that the winning time will be thirteen oh three. Okay, you can read. We'll we we'll put this part in too. Okay, thirteen oh three. Put that part in. Just kidding. But I'm if it's thirteen oh six, I'm going to be pissed because I'll be like, "Oh, you got me." No. Stick stick to your guns. I mean, we probably should have just done Gordon's guesses initially because this is a lot of pressure. Yeah. And if I started it last week, then you'd be two and zero right now, basically, <laughs> under my yeah. subjective criteria for grading these things. And instead, you have the opportunity to go uh, start off zero and one. Although you made so many picks here, I think you're going to hit on some of these. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where when you hit that first one. For the awesome, you knew you were going to be good for the rest of them, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, oh, vice, and vice versa. If you're if you're off on the first one in this one, you're going to be like, "Uh oh, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a tough night for Gordon's guesses." <laughs> yeah, patent pending. Yeah. Okay, do you have any cross country results that you want to talk about? Yes, so we've had, um, which is kind of a big impact result. So, as you guys remember, Michigan will compete at. Big Tens because of a COVID protocol. So Big Ten actually had a rule saying no Big Ten school can compete non-conference no matter what unless it's NCAAs. But 
they made an exception for Michigan because they want to go to NCAAs and they said, okay, yeah, you can go to one non-conference meet to get something on your resume. So Michigan went to this Florida State meet where they were racing against Florida State, Temple, South Florida, and Syracuse. And they got beat. They got second to Syracuse. Uh, and the reason why that's a big deal, getting second to Syracuse, is Syracuse finished sixth at ACC's. So in order for Michigan to go, they're going to mm-hmm. need the committee to be like, yeah, we want six, we're going to want to send Duke. And it's going to be a hard sell because Duke doesn't have You think have that's how it's going to work? So you're basically thinking they're going to look at it the same way they do in any other year with pushes, basically? Yeah. I think I think it's going to be okay. like that. Yeah, but like um, Syracuse doesn't have anything on the resume for them to be selected regardless, right? Syracuse finished – But who did Michigan FSU. beat? You're looking at who they lost Mi- to. Who did they beat? Okay, they beat Florida week. State, Temple, and South Florida. So beating Temple means okay. nothing. Beating South Florida means nothing. Beating Florida State. Florida State – Finished ninth at ACC's. Florida State. Okay, you're right. So basically, Florida State's only true win is over Southern Utah. So this meet all boiled down to a dual meet, essentially. Can you beat Syracuse? And if you do, you could get in the meet. And if you can't, there was no no other quality win that you could salvage from this competition, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you could think. I mean, maybe the committee has you know an affinity for michigan's previous success and they're gonna be like hey we're gonna let you in i mean this could be an issue with like duke basketball right and can like duke is playing 500 <laughs> basketball different. right now but will the committee select yeah. them maybe i don't know well that's because... different because it's just tough you don't have anything to go off of with michigan right yeah. this is it this this, this is, is it. it so you pl- you win against a good team or a good enough team that probably could have got you in, but they were just dealt a terrible hand here. And it's too bad they couldn't have gotten another opportunity or at least an opportunity where it wasn't all or nothing. I mean, do, yeah. do you think there's 30? I mean, are there is there a whole – are there 31 teams better than Michigan? Absolutely not. The problem is they're going to – Give more. I have a feeling that the committee might give more love to, like a one and O team from a different conference now, you know. And they'll just be like, "Hey, we can't take you." Or like, thing about Michigan is that they lost. Like if Michigan, like if NAU was at this meet and NAU won, and then Michigan got second, people would look at this result very differently because they'd be like, "All right, Michigan got second to NAU. Right. That's right. what's expected." And then let's let's select them. But because they get second to Syracuse, it's like, ooh. I mean, it helped Syracuse, right? Maybe it helped Syracuse. I don't know. Both of those teams are traditional cross-country good teams. but Yeah. But, but if you're saying the best win they had was over a team in that race, was over a team that got ninth in ACCs in Florida State, correct? That's, that's what you have to go off of. That's really yeah. difficult. And you're right. It probably would have – they might have been better off if they could have going to, for example, the Las Vegas meet. Yes. Losing to BYU, losing to NAU, losing to Notre Dame. But at least those would be – I guess you could call them quality losses. Whereas yeah. this is not as a high quality of loss. You only would have had one because one meet. But that's, that's, that's better than losing to a team that's – where do you have Syracuse right now? Oh, not not close because Syracuse. So basically, right now I had ACC picking getting four in, Notre Dame, NC State, the top two, and then I had Wake Forest and Virginia getting in because Virginia has a low key fake win over NC State uh, during like the early regular season, so that helps them. And then Virginia also has a win over Wake Forest, which is a team that beat them. So. They they beaten each other. Wake Forest got third, so they that helps them to get pushed in. And then Virginia also beat the team that got third. So together, yeah, they get in. Wake Forest beat Southern Utah, so that helps them. So basically, you can look at all right. There's a reason to take four, but then once you get to their mm-hmm. fifth spot, which is Duke, 
Duke hasn't beaten anyone, right? So to take mm-hmm. Duke would be really weird. And now, yeah. and then to take Duke and Syracuse all just because Syracuse beat Michigan, it's just gonna be weird to take six from the ACC. Like I just don't see them doing right, that. right. Well, so when I asked you before, are there thirty-one teams better than Michigan? You said no, but my follow-up would be, well, can you prove that there aren't thirty-one teams this this year? No, you better can't than Michigan. It. Right, that gets harder because you're going to yeah. base your argument off of well, this is what they did last year, and here are their track PRs, but that we don't think is part of the equation. You can only say, hey, they ran one race, and here's where they finished. In your basketball analogy, it would be yeah, as if Duke only played one game in the turn in the in the regular season. And they lost that game, and they lost to that that game to a team that was going to go to the NIT, not to the NCAA championships. You say, well, should you put Duke in? Well, I don't know. They're Duke. If you gave them a couple more meets or a couple more games, they'd probably be pretty good. But based off of what we've seen, how do you make that argument? I mean, uh, and it's just unfortunate thing, because if they, if they went to Big Tens, they could have done exactly that. They may not have won, but the losses would have been quality, and they would have beaten at least a few teams. This is the wild thing about it. They returned four of their top five. In reality, yeah, from four a good of their top team. Five from a team that finished seventh. They were a seventh place team returning four of their top five. And now, like, will that help them? Will they be like, well, they got seventh last year and they have four of their top yeah. five returning? They're definitely not the 32nd think... best team. You know? I just don't think you can. Yeah, it seems silly to base it off of just one meet, but it almost seems sillier to base it off of a previous season. Right? There are no yeah, good ways like, to do this. We knew this was going to happen. But it's like, why did they lose? The, why did they lose today then? I mean, if they are that good, yeah, they said why were they? Race. Did they run everybody? Uh, let yeah, me they said about. I mean, I mean, I I don't know exactly. Yeah, I mean they. Ran. I'm completely sympathetic. I'm sympathetic to him because, again, no one wanted this to be how it works, and you knew that there were going to be teams that got the short end. But I don't know a better way, given the situation, to to decide who goes. It just, just the best way to like, uh, select, you know, and I'll pick the right teams. Yeah, but I don't think – I mean, but you would base it off of, like, stuff that happened a year ago, which you're right, but then it comes to best versus most deserving. And if you don't have any evidence that they're better than another team, it's it's hard to do. It's hard so to they do. Didn't they, run, they, needed, they needed another meet, basically, and they, and they couldn't. They didn't run their number two guy from last year. Okay. Jack Aho. Aho. Yeah. But – I mean, I'm guessing How he's not healthy because they definitely would have ran him if they had him, you know, so. Yeah. They didn't lose by much, but it's like dual meet score. I mean, they, I guess they, they lost by 11. Mm-hmm. Basically, Syracuse went 2, 5, 7, 8, 9. Michigan went 3, 6, 10, 11, 12. So every individual person beat theirs, you know. I hey, guess maybe the other way to set a bad race and you're eliminated. That's what happens, right? Like, well, it's it's regionals, right? It's regionals. You yeah. had a bad race and you didn't have enough points and the things broke your way. But this is a much crueler version of that because you have only yes. one opportunity to get out there. Maybe the committee will say they'll take into account, hey, you guys were not able to compete in your conference championship. But then you're essentially like giving them a mulligan into the national championships, which also seems sort of weird. It's not like, oh, hey, you got tripped in the prelim. We're going to have nine people in this semi of the 800. It's like, no, yeah, uh, you couldn't run in this race. You're going to get put in the national championships. That's, that's tough. But you have to think how different would everything be if Pac-12 and Big Ten's conference championships were flipped. So this weekend would have been the Big Ten cross-country championships. How well would they have run there, and would they exactly. be able to make the meet? Yeah. And uh, the Michigan women, they dominated, but they also raced nobody. So mm-hmm. 
Michigan women got to basically run against. I mean, they ran against South Florida, Dalton State, and West Florida. West. I didn't even know Dalton State and West Florida are teams. Uh, mm-hmm. But they went. They they perfect scored it. They went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, but like, yeah, like so we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take the the women's Michigan team. But like, if the men's Michigan team got to do that, mm-hmm. if they just got to race against South Florida, right, Dalton right. State, and West Florida, they would have a f- yeah. perfect score and they would be selected. So, yeah, it's not in a way. It would have been better for them to <laughs> have the result that the women had, right? Race nobody, go fifteen, yeah. to fifty. And then you're in. But now they kind of screw themselves over. Well, I'd like to know why. Because remember we joked before about Michigan like hitting up other teams, trying to get in a meet. I wonder if they tried to do something local and just all the Michigan schools that are nearby. Hey, can you guys come to this meet? <laughs> really appreciate it. Because we'll go, we'll, you know, 15 you essentially. Because that'd be, again, go back to the basketball analogy. That's like Duke paying uh presbyterian state yeah yeah to come to cameron indoor beat them by 50 and then say well that's our one game of the year committee we're one and oh and we have a point differential of 50 points (laughs) you really gonna tell us we don't belong in the tournament like they got michigan got stuck in this weird middle ground between not having enough opportunities obviously to race and then the one opportunity they did have it almost was a lose-lose situation here. Like they had a lot of pressure to beat a team that isn't going to probably go to the championships and then no, no fail-safe, no backup plan for it. Because you're right. Yeah, if they ran against West Florida, Dalton State, I'm assuming they would 15 them if they, had yeah. a, if they have programs. I'm not sure if they have men's programs. But just a bad, bad break. Bad break all around for Michigan these last couple months. Anyway, let's move on. Final segment here. Unless, was there any other conference you want to talk about? Uh, no, none, none of the other results are in yet. Talked about okay. on Monday. Yep, we'll talk about it on Monday. People will be like, man, why didn't you talk about this conference? Well, it's because we... Pac-12s, Mountain West. Yeah. yeah, hasn't happened yet as of this recording. Has not happened yet. Uh, we wanted to read some YouTube comments because we appreciate everybody checking out the show on our YouTube page. And the comments are always I mean, so candid. So complimentary, just wonderful, wonderful feedback. So I want to read some of them. Here we go. Uh, Travis sent these to me. We can do these lightning round, Gordon. Uh, uh, let's go. Here we go. Richard says, why isn't Gatlin the favorite? Responding to the who's the 100-meter favorite, you and I were debating, Lyles v. Brumel. He says, neither of the others has meddled globally in the 100 and the Olympic finals. Experience overcoming nerves counts for something. Are we overlooking Gatlin? Um, no, because he's old and hasn't done anything. I don't think we're overlooking him. Okay. Well, he has done something, just not as much recently as Bromel and Lyles. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next comment. Uh, on the video that was titled, Why Cooper Tier is Not the NCAA Mile Favorite, Connor responded, why flow track staff or idiots would be a better title for this. Coop will win the mile if he runs the mile. Well, while the first part of his statement might be true, we'll never know about the second part because he's not running the mile. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure he's a big fan of Cooper Tier, which uh, made him feel like he needed to call us idiots. I'm sure if it was uh, another athlete he wasn't a fan of, he probably would just uh, click onto a different YouTube video. But thanks for watching the video. I mean, I mean Coop, I come us, on. Cooper Tier, Cooper Tier would not beat Sam Tanner. No, he's not. We'll never Kupertier's know. not a true miler. Cooper Tier won a. Debate. Yeah. Cool. Cooper Tier's fast, but like, he's not. Like, the year Galen Rupp ran 350, right? Mm-hmm. When he was like a 5K guy. Would anyone. Galen Rupp, if he was entered in like a Diamond Lake 1500, would probably get like 10th because. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, you know, like Mo Farah. I mean, Mo Farah, is even, Mo Farah, when he was at the top of his game in the 1500, still wouldn't be able to beat the best in the world in the 1500. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I just like the call idiots. That was fun. Daniel asks, yeah. who is NAU's top four? Who is NAU's top four? And a lot of people are chiming in here. What do you think? 
Oh, it's easy. It's Grijalva. It's Grijalva, Nico Young, Abdi <laughs> Hamid, Nur, and Blaze Farrow. But I low-key think Blaze Farrow might surprise people and be like NAU's number two runner. Okay. All right. Um, this is from JF responding to our women's rankings analysis. It says, curious who he has running for NC State. And by he, I think he means you, Gordon. Who do you have running? Who are your projected top five for NC State right now on the women's side of things? Because that is a good question. Because a lot of this depends on who's actually going to be in Stillwater competing. Who do you have for NC State in their top five? This is, you put me on like I'm supposed to have this all memorized. I need to like. <laughs> well, they're your rankings. You should know all of this. So I mean, right now I have Steelman, Hannah Steelman as their number one, Dominic Claremont as their number two, Kelsey Camille number three, number four. I have Marley Starlipper who hasn't we haven't seen race much. Mm-hmm. Number five of Maria Howlett, number six Ashley Holt, and number seven I have Caitlin Tui as their number seven runner. There we go. Okay, another prediction coming in here. This is from Top 10 Running. It says He's calling an unpopular prediction. I think it's pretty popular, especially on my side of the microphone. Nico Young, NCAA champion. Yeah, it's not happening. What percent would you say? In, 20, has, in 2021. In 2021. <laughs> you know what? He might be, the, he might be NCAA champion in 2021 because he could go on to win the fall 2021 cross-country championships. I would give you that. So... But I don't think he's going to win the winter 2021 champs. He's got a chance, though. You would not put him at – you'd put him at above 1%, would you not? No. I would not put him at above 1%. See, 0% chance Nico Young wins this – the, the NCAA championships in a week. 0%. No, 0%, no, 0% would be the guy who's ranked 90th or something in your rankings. Nico Young is ranked what in your rankings? I think like fifth or something, probably. Yeah, there's no way he should be at zero if he's ranked fifth. What do we? What are you doing? You think that so the top four make up a hundred percent of the of the possible winners? Come on, you got to give Nico a chance. You you've been down okay. On I'll Nico give him one percent just to make you feel better. Thank you. But he, I do think though, if he does finish like fifth in this race, which is likely, yeah. I think he might be the favorite in the fall championship, regardless of who's returning, which is kind of wild. Like I'm sure Connor Mance yeah, will return. Yeah. Like if Connor Mance wins this and Nico Young gets fifth, I probably would pick Nico Young to win it in the fall. Cause I'll just be like, mm-hmm. dude, the guy got fifth as a true freshman. First time seeing the yeah. course. Imagine what a whole year of like being prepared, to, you know, you know, then I'll be willing to take yeah. Nico Young. All right. This is a good one here. Cause this is another thing that I've been saying to you. Uh, privately, but Gregory is saying it out loud. Gordon, no one is on your thing, Moo, not making the team train. <laughs> He's yeah, basically no saying, stop it, trying to make fetch happen. I think, yeah. though, again, I think I can see a world where two global medalists are better than her. I think that's an obvious thing. I think to say that Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers can beat a thing Mo is not wild. And I think a lot of people actually might even agree with that, right? You have to agree with that. So that means yeah, do yeah, I yeah. think no, a I, Han- yeah. do, do I think a Hannah Green or a Nia Akins or a Kate Grace or a someone else beat a thing Mo? Sierra Brown. Yeah. I think it could happen. Three rounds. Yeah. yeah, time trial in February. Yeah, Thing Moo, 100%. She's winning. But I don't know. You know, she could What's she great? Tired, you know. <laughs> What's great about this comment is he anticipated your counter argument because then he responded, a thing, pure speed over Hannah Green will get her on the team. Oh. So already... <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't think That's what you're true. saying is comp- completely nuts. You, you can't put her at 100%. Like, she's not – I would not say she's a lock. We were talking about locks earlier. I would not say she's a lock, but I would say right now in my rankings, I would have her I would have her third. But there's still a long way to go, and that event is unpredictable. Last one comes from Ian. It says, although Gordon won't read this, I would sure love for him to touch on the Knicks being above 500. Ooh. 
Are they still above five hundred when he last wrote that? Because they, they are were above celebrating in the celebrating in the streets. What what seed are they right now? I think they're the fifth seed out east. I would Ooh, talk so they could... right now about how the Spurs blew the Knicks out a couple nights ago, but the Spurs <laughs> just lost to the Thunder for the second time in a week. So I'm not going to talk about basketball I mean, anymore. But you're you're I, welcome I, to go. I want them the to Knicks. stay that. I want the Knicks to stay above 500. I want them to think that they're in it because I need the Knicks. I need the Hornets. I need the Bulls. I need the Hawks to all be good so that the Sixers don't have to play the Heat or the Celtics or the Raptors in the first round. So, yeah, I'm a huge New York Knicks fan now, but it's fool's gold. It'll come crashing after uh, first round of the playoffs. I mean, I mean, if they made the playoffs, though, that'd be a pretty big story. Tibbs doesn't seem like a coach who's going to lollygag through the regular season. He's going to get every every single win he can get out of them. But they got like, to – I mean, it's Julius Randle. I feel though. like Julius Randle is a fake all star. I mean, Tobias Harris. Julius Randle's pretty Julius good. Randall. You know, surprise you pick a sixer over him. That was just truly <laughs> shocking. You know who's good on their team? Who I hadn't seen much. Emmanuel quickly. He can play. Yeah, he he's can play. good. So, yeah, I. I mean, they the East Rose. is so bad this year. The East is so bad. It's barely a conference after about three teams. <laughs> but credit to the Knicks for taking advantage. Sometimes. Sometimes the field is depleted, right? Sometimes you get to the end of the meet and the 200, everybody's scratched out or decided they don't want to run. And then you get a medal. You make the team in the 200. That's like the Eastern Conference. It's just the oh. 200 all day long. You know, I'm good with these like prediction stuff, right? Should I make a prediction for New York Knicks uh, wins over or under 500 at the end of the season? You're going to say under by three. <sighs> Dude. Yeah, I'm. I probably am. <laughs> no, I'll say I'm under by over. under by under by by two or one. I'm gonna say over just because the Thibodeau factor and because the East is so bad. I think they're gonna scratch and claw, and I think they'll get to. I think they'll stay right at 500, and they'll they'll obviously be in the top 10, which is all it takes to make the playoffs. Now they'll definitely be in the yeah. top 10 by the end of the year. Maybe even the top eight. Maybe they'll meet your Sixers in the first round, and you'll just have oh, nightmares about Emmanuel lost. quickly. Depressing. That'd be embarrassing. <laughs> Then we'll definitely be reading more YouTube comments from from Ian in that case. Anyway, keep them coming. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube. There's a specific FlowTrack podcast page that you can subscribe to. You can watch it there or you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You also can find the show on the website, FlowTrack.org slash FlowTrack podcast. Gordon, thank you for got an exciting. Any last words? We got an exciting week next week where we're going to be previewing all the NCAA championships. And then we also are going to be doing some live podcasts during the NCAA championships. Oh. So get ready for that. It's going to be fun on Saturday and Monday next week. But until then, we'll react to the cross-country selections on Monday morning. I'm Gordon. You're Kevin. Have a good weekend. <laughs> I am. I am.